Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. Strap in, people, because we're going to the murderest, most murderous greeting card company ever, Hallmark. <laughs> we're going to the card company. We're going to the card company. This is it. We're doing it again. We're going for the murders, which all happened. Like, I really am surprised that they can do these murders. And, like, at the funerals, people aren't just, like, handing over cards all oh the time. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Like, why what aren't the they? Why aren't they be like, in this time, in your time of sorrow, here is yes. this lovely card. Why isn't there at least once? Right? Right? You don't want to like get you don't want to get your cards associated with this, but you'll put your name all over the network that shows them. The Crown Media. That's oh, called. is that what it's called? Crown the Crown Media. Media? Or it's not the Crown, it's just Crown, Crown Media. Media. Okay. What are we watching, Herd? Today we are watching the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries. Which sounds very lovely. Yeah. It, I mean, it is. <laughs> what was that yeah just, about? The tea garden is just so weird. Mis- I don't know. It sounds like something like Rosemary and Thyme. And so I always expect her to... Actually not- be in an actual garden? Yes. To be a gardener. When I hear the word tea garden, I get confused with the whole murder she baked a plum pudding like that was the one we did but like the murder she baked lady like tea garden seems like she should have a tea shop and be serving up crumpets and scones and all that other kind of stuff she's none of those things no she's a librarian a professional librarian professional librarian thank you much she has a master's degree in information science which means that she is incapable of Apparently, in one of the ones we saw, hacking the CIA database. Yes. And getting and all sorts of redacted, redacted documents. <laughs> yes. That was so Because that great. master's in the Dewey Decimal really helps you with the hackings. Yeah. But it was a great improvement over the pilot, if I may say. Sure, yes. Where How she so? was doing all of her research on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> that was true. She's like, how did you find that out? LinkedIn. I wonder if that was product placement. It must be. Yeah. Yeah. Because why was she not looking at LexisNexis? Like, (laughs) at the most basic. (laughs) Sure. Yes. Yeah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. Fine. I looked, at, I looked at their resume, and wouldn't you know, they put murders, <laughs> murders as one of their skills. <laughs> right. What are one of your skills? Well, I've got some stabbing and some strangulation. I just I'm, guess I'm really good at murders all over. I got the certification. I got, uh, yeah, I, t- I got a little certification in ligature. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my little ligature certification. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and we might refer to her, I don't know, but we might refer to her as Roe. We That's might refer to her as Roe, yes. Aurora, nickname. she's also known as Roe. Ro. A professional librarian. She belongs to the Real Murders Club. See? True crime. Yes. I'm which telling is you. a group of true crime enthusiasts who gather monthly at the VFW to study famous crimes from the history of their town of Lawrenceton, Washington. Or if you read the books, it's probably Lawrenceton, but it's Georgia. The town that they have on this oh show is beautiful. Gosh. It's gorgeous with yes. the falls like traveling down yeah. and everything. So but good job. I don't think that's actually British Columbia. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is actually in Montour Falls, New York, and it is a picture of the Chautauqua Falls. Oh my goodness. Which starts with an S, even though it sounds sort of like Chicago. Okay. Well, if we got it wrong, we apologize in advance. Or yeah. not in advance, because we did it after. We apologize. We just apologize if we got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. But it is filmed in, it is mainly filmed in British Columbia. There are 18 of these. Eight, whoa, 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 18 movies? Movies, yes. 18 movies? 18 Aurora Tea Garden mysteries. Good for them, my yes. lord. yeah. We're going to watch the fifth one tonight. Are there really eight? They've, been, yeah. they've made eight. Okay. I, I just, I'm like, I don't, let, 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 this broke Jacob. <laughs> Clearly this 18 just broke my ability to speak. The first one started in 2015. And so if there's, if there's 18 of them, it's now 2022. That's seven years. They've done practically three a year of these. That's incredible. So the series is based on a character and a book series by Charlene Harris, mm-hmm. who, side note, created True Blood as well. She wrote No, shut True the front Blood. door. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. my God, that is awesome. She, this woman is amazing. Yeah, and she is Southern. So hence the true blood taking place in the South. Right. And then hence the original in the book series. In the series, books, this Aurora, is in Georgia. Yeah. In okay. Georgia. And she actually wrote the Tea Garden Mysteries, at least according to Wikipedia, before she wrote True Blood. True Blood is actually her more recent okay. writing. And she also wrote a series of a character named Lily Bard, which is called the Shakespeare series. And it's all like Shakespeare themed murder stuff. Yeah. All right. Oh, fun thing about her. Oh, fun thing is her. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So she, interesting, is a weightlifter and a karate student. Oh my lord. As well as being as well as being an apparently avid reader. Yeah, and apparently a very like prolific author. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Can I be her when I grow up? Right. I know. Totally amazing. Oh, and she was also the senior warden of St. James Episcopal Church. She currently lives in Texas. <laughs> so, do you want to get out your bingo card? Get out the bingo card. What do they what do they characterize this as? Crime mystery. That's it. Hmm. I was really thinking there should be something else there. Uh, do they have like I mean, should Hallmark be a category on the bingo card? Like Oh. No, you know what? I I think cozy. I think it just I think cozy. it comes in as cozy. Okay, like this yeah. would be a cozy murder. Like yeah. they're like, you know, here it is. Here like Everything will be taken care of in 90 minutes and bad people will be punished. Yeah. We didn't mean to link this to our past episode, but the reason we watched this episode is because her romantic interest through many of these movies is... Yannick Bisson. Yannick Bisson from the Murdoch Mysteries. Yay! Yay, and I'm here to tell you he is just as dreamy in this. Yeah, like I his... would say more so. Because, oh, more so dreamy. Yeah, in his like modern clothing, it, he just looks way less uptight. Okay. He, he very... does look less uptight. It is very true. He's yeah. I mean it's almost as if he's acting. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if Inspector Murdoch is just a role. <laughs> but his eyes, people, his eyes are still the same and they are glorious. And his jaw is still a square. Still ever. a square, yes, yes, yes. And he's got a little more chance to show off that he's a little ripped. Yeah. They really cut these suits down. <laughs> like <laughs> he comes in for his board meeting and I was like, are you sure this isn't like a Chippendales presentation <laughs> you're going to be doing? What the heck? <laughs> Looks like that thing is going to pop right off you. How do those buttons stay closed? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, so this was in 2017. Do you know, want to know this movie, what it is called? Yes. What, are we, really... what movie are we watching and what is the log Okay, line? We are watching Dead Over Heels. Librarian and real crime buff Aurora Teagarden never liked Detective Sergeant Jack Burns. She he's also... very mean. To, he's very mean to her. Oh, is all that who's gonna die? I think that's who it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't like him much either. Yeah. So there you Sorry. go. Anyway, so please continue. <laughs> Detective Sergeant Jack Burns, but she also never wanted to see him dead. But when he winds up murdered. She can't help but get involved. She can't help but get involved with any murder that crosses her way. Really? This really, like, I don't know, man. Am I becoming, like, am I becoming decent? Like, if I, I feel that if in my life I knew someone like Jessica Fletcher or Aurora Teagarden who kept somehow inadvertently getting involved with murders, I would want to steer the heck away from them. Like, who needs to be, like, A, who needs to be a part of that? But also, B, I'm like... Um, I'm your friend, right? Like, I'm a really good friend. Like, yes. you wouldn't write me out, would you? Like, yeah. yeah, I'm becoming a little desensitized. Okay, so real quick. Yes. Here are our cast of characters. Yes, please. Tell me who this is. And these are the people that are not the murderers. Right. These are our regulars. These are yeah. our series regulars. So Aurora Teagarden, right. obviously, played by Candace Cameron Burr, who was DJ Tanner on the eight-season-long ABC show called Full House with John Stamos and Bob Saget and David Coulier. If you don't know what twins. that is, you're missing a classic, charming yeah. part of TV history. Yes. We are also going to see in this episode Martin Bart, the character named Martin Bartell, who is played by Yannick Bisson, who is from Murdoch Mysteries. He is the love interest. Uh, Yannick Bisson plays Martin Bartell, who is a former CIA agent who has moved into town and he falls in love with Aurora and dates her. 
Okay. Then there is Aida Teagarden, who is played by Mary Lou Henner, and Aida is Aurora's mother, and she is a real estate agent. Actress Mary Lou Henner plays her, who's she, Mary Lou Henner has been in a million things. We will get to her, I'm sure. Yeah. Sally Allison is uh, Aurora's best friend. Right. And a reporter played and by once Alexa a, Doing. Once again, these people in these movies who think that like reporters and journalism like happens in these amazing corporate castles. And then we have Detective Arthur Smith, who we, when we watched the pilot, we learned that he is an ex-boyfriend of Aurora. And oh, Arthur, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, Arthur is married to Captain Lynn Smith. Oh, I did know that. And she is uh, one of also the main detectives in town. And she is always irritated by Aurora being everywhere. Yes. And that Arthur is always defending Aurora, even though Arthur is married to, Lynn. to Captain Lynn. Yes. And like Aurora broke Arthur's heart. Yes. Yeah. So. So that's also really upsetting to Captain Lynn. And it's this constant yeah. frustration. They're always kind of, always kind of at each other. Yeah. yeah. Then there is John Queensland who is an active member of the Real Murders Club. Yes. And he's an older guy. He dates Aida. Mm-hmm. Um, T. Very Garden, much in love with Aida. And, like he's yeah. Proposed a couple wants times. Wants to propose and wants to get married yeah. with her, but she keeps sort She's of... She's having none of it. Yeah, having it. Okay. So that's those are the cast of, the regular cast of characters that are going to be helping or hindering as, as we, it were. people get murdered. I would hope that you would be a hinderer if someone was getting murdered. Yeah, yeah. Like try to like let let's kind of maybe 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 not with the murdering today. Can we maybe not do the murdering today? Yeah. Although there are some mornings where it's just like I will murder you over a bowl of cereal. But I mean, not you. I'm just saying, you know, like in general, like I was like, oh, I'm going to murder somebody with yeah. a bowl of cereal. We don't even eat cereal. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't. Jacob, make, I'm sorry. Is this I, from? I guess this is just deep childhood repressed trauma. <laughs> like, don't come near my Captain Crunch Crunch Berries, or I will murder you. Yeah. That has a ring of truth to it. I'll have to talk to my siblings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like Jacob was not good at the morning. Jacob was not a morning person. <laughs> don't talk to him until two cups of coffee and three bowls of Crunch Berries. <laughs> Well, we will talk to you, though, after we watch this up until there's a body. So, yeah, we'll be back. See you. We are back, and we are ready to make some guesses on some Hallmark mystery here from Miss Aurora Teagarden. But, okay. I ha- we have to take a little break in here. I'm, we're gonna this is, like we're not gonna give you a spoiler warning because we're gonna spoil everything. We spoil everything all the time. Yeah. So you should know that's that by now. If you're thing. like, that's our thing. We're gonna spoil it all. So I'm not gonna give a spoiler warning here, but I am gonna give a little bit of a snark warning. You might get. <laughs> You might get some snark from Jessica this time around because Jessica has a hard time with Hallmark movies. I do. And it's just like this it's not it's not even like a logic cop thing. No. Um it's not a lot, but it is definitely like there are definitely some rules about the Hallmark universe and some ways that they do things in Hallmark that just yes. rub her the wrong way. And it's just hilarious. You're so amused by this. I am. I'm incredibly <laughs> amused. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're they're, they're true. They just they just happen I'm not to annoy you. To like uh, harsh anybody's buzz. I know, like, I don't know what the <laughs> the population, like half the population, like loves Hallmark and really digs it. And I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to harsh a buzz. Yeah, you're not trying to yuck a yum. It brings up a little bit of PTSD from her own, from your own acting lessons. You were saying. Well, yeah, my acting classes. I feel like, well, there was this moment in one of the episodes where we, a couple of moments in this one episode that we watched. Where I was like, what is the director doing? All these characters, minor <laughs> characters, and, and and I think even Aurora had these, somebody would say a line and it was the end of the scene. And then that person would sort of like, huh, hmm, oh. Like there was like a three beat, <laughs> like little scene of silence that they had of some sort of realization that was important to them or that they might bring up later that was totally inconsequential, but it was their moment in developing their character or whatever. And I was like, what is happening? Because always, always, always in my acting classes or on stage in things, they would always be like, keep up the pace. 
pick up the pace. And maybe all of my acting teachers, if you're ever listening to this, you're like, because you were boring. But <laughs> I am wondering now if this is actually some sort of like internalized misogyny that was happening. What? Okay, how is this internalized misogyny? Well, because maybe, you know, all the stories that I was part of were like men's stories. Oh. And so they were like, hurry it up, lady. Nobody cares about your little acting moment. And so the Hallmark- The story's about him. The story is about him. The story is these other people. We don't care about your little, you know, your little realization there. Nobody has it. You know, they would always say like, have it on the other person's line. And I'd be like, but they're not finished with their thought. How could I possibly, you I know, consider- I can't react to what they're done. I don't they're know saying, what they're saying yet. like what they're saying. I mean, that's rude just in real life, just to, you know, assume you know what people are saying. I mean, you do do that to a certain degree in life, but if you interrupt, I mean- you know, if you if you assume you're making an ass out of you and me, but <laughs> acting teachers, directors are always like, speed it up. No thinking after lines, no pauses, just pull it all together. The audience wants to go to intermission or, you know, we can't make this a three hour show. And timing is like the soul of comedy. So yes, you know, ha ha ha, you know, keeping it light and keeping it fast is, is I'm just snapping my fingers. That's really important. So yes, I get all of that. But I feel like when I'm watching this, I am like, what are they doing? How are they allowed to do this? And the only thing I can think of is that Hallmark is finally capturing like this thing where women are like, women get to think through things. <laughs> And so the directors are giving them moments. You know, even these side characters, they get to think through things. They get to have realizations of their own. And then it it comes back later. And so we get to, but not necessarily important to, important to relationships, but not necessarily important to the murder mystery that you're trying to solve. Yeah, it's not driving the plot forward, but it's developing women and developing their their relationships and their thoughts. So maybe that's what's happening there. And like maybe everybody else in the universe of, of, of identifying females or who, who like this, whatever their gender is watching this and like, and enjoying it because they're like, finally, all women are developed and get to think and have thoughts. We, and and I'm... And you're enforcing that I am sitting across from the oppressor. Yes, <laughs> I am the oppressor. I am sitting here like, cut, get it moving. And get this out. <laughs> yes, I... So maybe, maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. I uh, Point being, if there are any Hallmark editors out there who want some tips, Jessica is ready. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list of trim notes for you right now. <laughs> yes, yeah. Or they, you know, of course, they know their job. They can come back to me and say, like, we do that for a reason. They ask for it. This is the brief. <laughs> yes. But, and that is true. So, yes, there's, I mean, there's clearly a Hallmark style. There is a Hallmark tone. So we are just, we're going to do our best to kind of just, you know, let's have some nice, cozy, hot chocolate and put on some chunky sweaters. And we're just going to, you know, we're just going to settle into this Hallmark universe here. Yeah, yeah. And there isn't, you know, the other thing about this, and I think this is also internalized misogyny. Okay. Is that, like... You're listening to Psychology Hour, (laughs) Hallmark Movie Trigger Edition. (laughs) Yes. There are just no real ditzy people, and... uh, You want ditzy people? I kind of i mean sometimes the writing is a little ditzy but i think again if they did that they would be offensive to the audience because the audience is like yeah occasionally i do things i mean we all do things that are occasionally a little ditzy but you don't that doesn't mean you don't take that person seriously anymore right and so they don't take it to the like crazy extreme not that they should but and not that like but like that's the kind of comedy i'm used to like the office or the yeah. new girl or whatever where like, yeah, sometimes you're a little, uh, things are a little out there. It also just sounds like you just year. want to go back to the era of screwball comedies. Like well, you like that's fast dialogue thing. and screwy ditzy things. I, the guys are so bland <laughs> in all of these Hallmark things that we're watching. I feel like, you know, you're like, oh, choose between, should she choose between this guy or this guy? And I'm like, really neither. Come on. <laughs> like neither of that. I, I like quippy guys. Fast, quippy guys. I don't. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, I'm this whole like slow and uh, 
I, I don't even know how to describe it, but they're, they're just so slow and quiet. And I'm like, Whoa, who wants that? Like, are you alive? Like, I want to take, I want to take like a little, you know, heart thing, you know, defibrillator to some of these guys. I'm sorry, you know, you like, say that again, say that again. Defibrillator. <laughs> no, I'm not even sure I can De- say it now. Say it. Defib- I can't say it. You wrecked it for both of us. <laughs> Okay, sure, yeah. fine. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I want to take that thing. <laughs> and sometimes the hairdos, I'm like, what is this your well, kindergarten photo? Why are you doing their hair like that? <laughs> we do know that hair is important to you. Have we had anybody do better hair than Veronica Mars, Kristen Bell and Veronica Mars? Oh, I don't mean the female hair. Oh. I meant the men's hair. Some of their like oh. comb over situations. Oh yeah, you're okay. Are yes, really the, the, you're right. You're bad. absolutely right. There are definitely some elementary school like styles of hair on the men in this. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, we are watching uh, the Dead Over Heels episode, and this takes place in winter. You uh, meet up with Aurora, and she is in the library at night. And you know it's night because all the lights are turned off. Yeah. She's doing it some It looks kind of- like the CSI laboratory. Yes. <laughs> she's got like the glow of the computer on her, and she's printing out some pages from what looks like a kind of like Ancestry.com kind of research site. So she prints something out, and she's walking through the dark library, and she runs into Lillian, her persnickety co-worker, and Lillian... Like who like who does work in an office building in the dark? Like you turn off the lights when you're about to leave. Yeah. But she's clearly printing things out and looking at the computer in the dark. She walks through the library in the dark, which seems like a recipe for running into things, if yes. you ask me. Yes. And she happens to run into Lillian. Who is shelving books in the dark. Shelving <laughs> books in the dark. How is she come on? How is she supposed to even see those numbers on the spine of the right. book in the dark? Give yeah. me a break. But apparently. In Hallmark, it's nighttime, so all the lights have to be off. I will give them this. Thank you very much, Hallmark, for encouraging us to conserve energy. Good job. Yeah. Way to go. Mm -hmm. Way to go. Good job on that. Anyways, they have a little back and forth. Lillian is going to take tomorrow off because she's going to go shopping with her sister, which she is not looking forward to. So Ro leaves the library, and as she leaves the library, they do this great little kind of behind the person over the camera shot which was kind over of like the shoulder over the shoulder shot where you're just like okay somebody's following her someone's tailing her like she's in danger from this yeah and like as the, she's going to her car as she's going to her car lot. like this is like total like lifetime this woman is about to get attacked you're right it was of, very that lifetime is, that is that kind of framing and uh she's like oh and she turns around and there's the chief is it the chief of police or captain is it just a captain uh, i think it's just the captain uh, there's a captain yeah. of the police and Jack. what's Jack Burns, I think is his yeah. name or something like that. Jack Burns, and he's just like, Look, where's your boyfriend? Her boyfriend, by the way, is what is his name? The Martin. Martin. Her boyfriend Martin, who's ex CIA, and the captain is yeah. just like, I need to talk to your boyfriend. And she's like, Well, he's away and bringing somebody, he's away, uh, he's gonna come back. And he's like, You can just call him. And he's like, No, I can't call you. Call him, they'll be it'll be traced. And she's like, what's going on? And she's like, now you better, I know that I tell you this all the time, but stay out of this one. This is dangerous. Cut to the next day, Ro and Sally are outside fixing what looks to be like some like pipe or water, water like water popper. spigot outside. Yeah. Like you like you have like you would hook a hose up to on yeah. the outside. And as they're fixing this, they see this plane, this like small little Cessna style plane yeah. flying nearby. And Sally's like, doesn't that plane seem like it's flying awfully low? And Rose like, yeah. And they look up at the plane. And as they do, what is clearly a dummy is pushed out of the plane. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a body. A body is pushed out of the plane and falls to the ground, like, at their feet. Literally at their feet. Smashes all over them. They're both like, oh, my God, what the heck is this? And they they run away for a second because something is flying out of the plane at them. And then they come back. Aurora comes back. And she looks at it. And she's like, that's Captain Burns. There you go. What's going on? Have drugs come to this small town? Or is something else creepy happening? Have drugs come to Lawrenceton? This seems like it's a very cartel kind of thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Or, or for that matter, are we like, let's not think about drugs. Let's think about, so it's very North by Northwest. Yes. The whole Alfred Hitchcock thing where there's yeah. a small plane terrorizing Cary Grant as he like goes through the field. Yeah. So yeah. maybe like, maybe we need to think about that. Like that was international politics. So maybe they are talking like some kind of weird international politic thing is happening here. Like, is he really pushed out over her house for a reason? Well, that's a good question. Like, are they just trying to kill him? And it just so happens, like, she just so happens to be there. Or they are trying to warn her off. I don't think they're trying to warn her off. I don't think she's, I don't think that, I think she's now involved. I don't think she's living with Martin. No, she's got her own house, right? She's not 
moved in with him. Yeah, I don't think she's moved in with him. I mean, there she's she still talks about him. I don't think Hallmark would let a boyfriend live with a woman unless they were married. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like if they were if they were going to be living together, I think Hallmark would be like, no, no, you've got to be married. I, okay. I, th- I do think that is a line that Hallmark wouldn't cross because this is a very G-rated thing. Okay. So. Yeah, so well, they're pushing this. So is it coincidental? Right. So it seems like to you I, coincidental. I think it's coincidental. Mm. I, just because we have no facts, sure. I am going to say it's not coincidental. Oh. I'm going to say they aimed They to, wanted to take her out. No, no, that they, but they wanted her to maybe they be involved or scare her or get her involved in this somehow. Not oh. that she would help solve it, but that she would somehow be framed for it. Yeah, like or... there's some plan that they're like, somehow they need to get her in the game for some reason later on. Yeah. Okay. Not that, not that they, I think they, people always underestimate her being able to solve things. Always, yes. But, oh, maybe they're going to set her up to look like she killed him. Okay. This is where my CSI brain comes in. Where I'm just like, okay, maybe nobody saw the plane, but like a couple hundred feet up in the air, you push a body out, there's going to be some spillage. You can't show it, but there's going to be, it's mm. going to be fairly obvious that this was dropped from a significant but height. But we might, but this is Hollywood. Oh, you're right. North Hollywood. This is this is Hallmark. <laughs> or Jacob. Hollywood North. Hollywood North. <laughs> so they're, maybe they're just going to ignore that fact. Because I I go back to the... Because um, <laughs> again, the, the biggest clue in the last episode was how somebody folded a napkin. Yeah. So they're not big on DNA. Well, I take that back. I say they're not big on DNA, but they did do some DNA. They, yes. ma- they, ma- they waved their hands that there was going to be some DNA testing in yeah. the last episode. And I will say this about them. They did say that the DNA testing would take weeks, which I was all like, huzzah! Yeah. Someone who understands that this is not like only the length of a scene. Yeah, yeah. But I have this uh, random idea too, because I just have been noticing the handbags. It's it's the it's the. <laughs> Did you just put water up your nose? <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Okay, I'm here for the handbag theory. Bring it. Okay, so I mean, granted, the 2015, 16, 17, like those were the years, or those were some of the years of the big handbag. Mm-hmm. thing sure that, uh, that might have been trend. earlier that might have been earlier in the 2000s but at any rate there's been a lot of big handbags in okay. the last couple of episodes and so i i think that what's behind this all actually is an international fake handbag <gasps> conspiracy you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah uh, counterfeit goods counterfeit goods handbags and i think they're gonna show up all over town and nobody's going to notice it's just going to be like a rash of handbags. And then it's all going to get traced back to the fact that Captain Burns was trying to discover or uncover this ring of handbag people who were, fly, you know, using this airplane hangar outside of town to, to, smuggle, in to the goods. smuggle in the goods and from like Canada were, yeah, or something. And, and, they were, and, and they were greasing palms and there was corruption was growing and that's yeah. why he couldn't talk to anybody about it at all. Yes. Yeah. That's my theory. That's your theory. I love this. Oh my God. That's really good though. I do like the international smuggling though. Like that is a good, like that is a good, like clearly Hallmark is not going to go like to the whole narcos thing. I'm trying to remember what the actual plot of North by Northwest was. Do we remember the plot of North by Northwest? I, I I remember that like there are these there are these spies and they get Cary Grant drunk. He discovers something. He discovers some kind of spy thing. Nobody believes him because they're upstanding members of the community. And then they get him drunk and put him in a car and try to like get him into a car accident as he's driving drunk. And that doesn't work. And then they start to follow him to just try and kill him. And nobody believes him. And then eventually, like, he ends up, like, it, like it's, it's a total MacGuffin of a movie where it's just like, this is a thing that happens and suddenly there's a chase going on. So it's not like there's a whole lot of plot. They think he is CIA agent yeah. George Kaplan. Oh! 
So is that, you know, because Yannick Bisson is going to be in this episode, I wonder. And Yannick Bisson is ex-CIA. Ex-CIA. And, and they mentioned that he's got a fr- new friend in town that Roe is trying to set up with Sally, Sally who Tim is Prentice. also ex-CIA. CIA, yeah. And, and he does have that same sort of Cary Grant square jaw. Oh, yeah. Yannick so, I mean, So that's what, like, I, I wonder if there is some kind of, like, spy ring happening here. But I don't know, like... If it will just be a simple matter of like spies, yeah, <laughs> yeah, forced, which is why I like your international smuggling because like CIA and FBI would be in to like stopping international smuggling, but it's a very getting very like North by Northwest vibes off of this. So I am going to say that there is an antiquities dealer, and that there yes there is some antiquities dealer who is somehow robbing the like cultural sites nearby, whether that's like Native American cultural sites or like American cultural battlefield sites. Like somehow there's like, like whatever the Lawrenceton version is of Mount Rushmore, because of course Mount Rushmore in North by Northwest is where they end up. So I am betting that there is somebody who is somehow like, like stealing some kind of artifacts, some something worth significantly that like he's trying to figure out. And of course the, and of course this is why the, captain can't talk to anybody in town about it because like the the mayor or whomever are getting kickbacks from all this from all the money that they're letting this person somehow defile the land so yes that is what i'm going to say there is somebody out there who is defiling the land i don't think they would make them like environmentally defiling the land i think they would be like they're stealing some kind of artifacts the captain was trying to do this and he got rid of, and they got rid of him, so they can continue to do this. But now the XCA agents are in, and they're going to have to figure it out somehow. Mm. That's what I'm saying. There is artifact smuggling happening. Okay. Some kind of artifact. There's some kind of looting happening, and that the CIA is going to have to figure out what this is. That's what I say. Okay. And that's why they killed the captain. There All you right. go. Like it. Like it. Yeah. There we go. We're we're gonna lock it in and watch this. Jessica is gonna try and hold on for all she's worth for this, and we'll come back and tell you who did it. <laughs> It'll be fun. See you soon. All right, all right. You may remember that there was a body that had just fallen from an airplane in front of Aurora and Sally. Yes, kaboom. The police are at the scene now, and Aurora is talking to Lynn. Remember, Lynn is the lady who married Aurora's ex-boyfriend and is now a homicide detective. Uh, the little bit of a foil for Aurora, or Roe. I might call her Roe. Aurora Roe, same person. Don't get confused. Roe is completely calm about everything. The body falling from the airplane. She's like, nah, I'm all right. But Sally, her best friend, is wigging out. She keeps repeating things, like literally like repeating things. It was right there. He fell right there. And is like utterly in shock. Everyone is amazed. Everyone is amazed that Roe is completely calm and completely desensitized to it all. And I want to talk about this for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're not wrong. Like... Is, is in fact, like, it is not normal for nor- for people to be all like, yeah, body fell out of a plane. It died right in front of me. What? Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, that is some deep PTSD traumatized, like, that is some stuff that she is shoving down. So this is my question to you, Jessica. Yeah. What deep tragedy happened in Rose Pass <laughs> that she, like... Like, that she's okay with this and that she can keep repeating this pattern of behavior, trying to solve a mystery. Like, clearly, she's like, I need to solve a mystery. Always solving mysteries. Always solving mysteries. Can't leave it alone. Can't leave it alone. But what is the real mystery of her heart that she can't solve? Like, what is the the real deep? Like, her parents. Supposedly, her father is divorced. Her mother is divorced from her father. Sure. But what happened to him? We never see him. I don't know. Maybe in the other 18. Maybe maybe in the other 18 movies, movies we find out what happened. But something. Like, She's not right. Like, there is mm. something going on here. I want my, like, I want my dirty, gritty Aurora Tea Garden prequel backstory of, like, how she got to be this way. Yeah. Anyways, she forgets in all this excitement that she's supposed to have her mom and others over for dinner. And even though a body has just fallen from the sky. In her yard. She, in her yard, right in front of her. She says, eh, they can still come over. 
So yeah, she we'll, has them over. We'll just have pizza. We'll just have pizza. I, I don't, I, I'll try to keep it low key. I'll keep it low key. I don't have time and to low cook. Low stress. Low stress. I don't have time to cook. And everyone comes over and they're like, her, her mom, to her mom's credit, her mom's like, I wouldn't have come over if I'd known that there was a murder in your front yard. Yeah. So, and again, Aurora's just like, yeah, no big deal. We're I fine. loved the little joke where Sally's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And she opens the refrigerator and puts the, the pipe wrench in, yeah, the, in the refrigerator, refrigerator like she's putting away ketchup or something <laughs> and then closes the door. And Aurora's like, oh, you're not. You're not fine. Mm, okay. Yeah. But she is so, but Aurora is trying to make things good for Sally yeah. because she has Martin. Uh, she's trying to set Sally up with a friend of Martin's named Tim. And Sally is opposed to this until Tim comes over and Tim's kind of hunky. And Sally's he like, oh is. no, this is great. This is great. This is just absolutely fine. And she's totally on board with it. Yeah. Tim also suggests, so Tim worked, Tim is a friend of Martin's because they used to work together at the CIA, which by the way, can you really be so like blasé about the fact that you work for the CIA? Yeah, I don't like, understand Like everyone's just going this. around, I used to work for the CIA. I used to work for the CIA. I, Look. I, maybe I should open up LinkedIn right now and just be like CIA. Or maybe they, people would say Central Intelligence Agency, right? Yeah, sure. There's an, a woman named, well, I'm not going to name her name, but she's a deputy director of CIA for Digital Innovation. Like, people fully, meant, wow. fully say this. All right, all right. People say they're intelligence officers, they're analysts. They fully admit to it. Group chief, yep. At wow. Anyways, <laughs> back to the plot. Tim suggests that maybe the body was a dare. As someone knew exactly who she was and is, like, daring her to catch them, just, like, taunting her by throwing this body out at them. Sally, of course, swoons all over him because she's not in her right mind. But Sally swoons, Roe reacts, and there's like six seconds of them just like face acting oh with this. Oh my gosh. And I, it was, it was nice and some, again, in the nice in the way that we discussed earlier, where I was like, yeah, they were, they were like three point little stories. You could see them going through the whole damn thing. I was like, good <laughs> God. So Jessica's having none of it. But Jessica, why don't you tell us about Tim and Sally? No, it was very nice. It was, I mean, I, I this show was, this episode, I feel like it was really growing on me. Very funny women. Okay. So Sally Allison is played by Lexa Doig, is what we think. D-O-I-G. And her... Lexa, if we got that wrong, we're sorry. Lexa. Yeah, Sorry. Alexa or Lexa. Okay. Anyway, Lexa Doig. Yeah. Her first professional job came at the age of 19 when mm. she was cast opposite, can you guess? Elvis Presley. No. William Shatner. <laughs> I love it. Maybe that's where they get all the like, reaction takes from. Yes. And she went on to appear in several projects, big and small screen, including... A bunch of things I've never heard of <laughs> before landing a lead role in a thing called Jason X, the 10th installment of the Friday the thir 13th series. Oh, good for her. Yeah. And then shortly after that, she captured the title role in Gene Rottenberry's Andromeda, starring as the Andromeda Ascendants, oh. Sophisticated Artificial Intelligence. A uh, bunch of other stuff, theater credits, and she... In her spare time, enjoys reading, rollerblading, and playing RPG video games and Aww. Dungeons and Dragons. So I love her. I want to be her best friend. <laughs> and then Tim is Tim Prentice, a CIA agent, is played by Jeremy. And I'm not sure how to say this. It looks French. It's Guibaut, maybe? G-U-I-B-A-U-T or Guibaut? I don't know. He is known for Two for the Money which is Al Pacino and Matthew McConaughey. And he starred in a show called The Guard about Canadian Coast Guard workers specializing in search and rescue. Oh, nice. Which I can imagine just went to all of his dream Bodie, you know, CIA-looking yeah. shoulders. I, I love that, like, L.A. has Baywatch. Yeah. And Canada has Coast, Coast Guard. Guard. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the Guard. It's, it's cold up here. We need to keep these people clothed. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, true. anyways, later that evening with everyone gone, Martin helps Roe clean up and says he has a present for her. Why don't you go get it from my coat? So she goes to get his coat and a ring box falls out. And she's like, <gasps> she is not ready for him to propose. And mm -hmm. she pushes off. She's like, maybe don't give me the gift tonight. Maybe on a happier day. So this whole will he, won't he propose hangs over the whole episode. Uh, the next day, 
the mayor makes Lynn the interim chief of police. Since Burns was the chief of police and now he's dead, she makes Lynn the chief of police because the Lynn is the senior most detective. But this is over the objections of Detective Pete Lambert, mm-hmm. who's a new character this season. He's a cop recently back from Seattle. He claims that he's the most senior cop there and he should get it. But Lynn is like, oh no, you left. Read the manual. It's mine. And yeah. he's, grr, he's not happy about this yeah. at all. So, meanwhile, Rogue decides to go visit Burns. So Burns is the guy who's died. Rogue decides to go visit Burns' widow. And holy shazam, they, like, this widow is, well, for Hallmark at least, smoking hot. Yeah. Like, they are really trying to make her out to be a femme fatale. Like, Roe and Sally both have these very modest, like, shirt and sweater sets on. They're very they're casual, jeans. They're too. very casual, too. Yes. Yeah, they're, like, country casual, winter casual. Yes. With, like, long sleeve shirts and sweaters that have flowers on them and stuff. <laughs> yes. But Bess? Yeah. Bess is wearing a black dress with a deeply plunging neckline. Like, practically goes down to her navel. And she is just glam. Full makeup. Full makeup, even though she's in mourning. But turns out Bess is also the sister that Lillian mentioned from the library. Lillian mentioned in the opening sequence that she was taking shopping. Lillian is there and thinks it's incredibly inappropriate for Aurora to be there. And she just hurries Aurora and Sally out. Yeah. Which is just fine because Aurora now has to give a speech at the Real Murderers Club. She starts in on her presentation, which is going to be on Bonnie and Clyde. That's the stuff she was printing out at the beginning of the first Mm -hmm. scene. But... Her talk is completely interrupted by all these new people who just want to talk about the new murder in town. So, turns out they start talking about Burns' murder. And it's nearly turning into a witch hunt for Bess until Tim steps in and tells everyone they can only deal with the facts. And the only two facts they know is that the killer knows how to fly a plane and that he can push a body out of a plane. Well, guess what? Aurora figures out looking through her photos that Bess knows how to fly a plane. And that the plane that Burns was pushed out of, Bess owned. But before she can do anything with that, though, she gets to the library and she discovers that Lillian, unconscious on the floor, Lillian has been attacked. So you think she's dead, but she's not. She's just yeah, in a coma. Yeah, thank God. I was like, you cannot have killed her boss. Right? Like this I is was like, super upset. <laughs> yes. Well, it turns out she wasn't. She's just in a coma. She yes. hasn't woken up. She's in a coma. Arthur, the ex-boyfriend cop, he thinks it's just a robbery, but Aurora doesn't believe it and really isn't so sure because then they find Lillian's purse and all of Lillian's money is still in it. So she doesn't believe that it's a robbery. Lynn doesn't believe it's a robbery. Arthur really wants it to be a robbery. But you know who else doesn't believe that it's a robbery? Detective Pete Lambert. He is yeah. all over this. He's casting aspersions on how everybody's handling this case and he's totally gunning for Lynn's job as chief of police. Yeah. He's stirring the pot, Jess. He's stirring the pot. So tell us all about him. Okay. I got to say that when they introduced Tim Prentice, the CIA guy, and Mm -hmm. then they introduced this guy, Detective Pete Lambert, I was kind of like, wait a minute. I can't tell the difference. Yeah, they they are very similar. Very similar. But the more that I watched, the more I was like, oh, no. And no offense, because I'm sure he knows this is his, like, Mm -hmm. niche corner in the market as an actor, but... He just kind of always looks a little sweaty and peaked. Yeah, yeah, he does. And he absolutely looks a little hungover all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's got that going for him. And so he's been on Stargate. He's been on Possession, Smallville, Mutant X, and a lot of Hallmark mysteries or a lot of Hallmark stuff. I'm going to list them off because I love these things. So he Ready, has, go. Yeah. He has starred in numerous Hallmark movies, including the recurring leading role in the Father Christmas movie series, which there are like three or four of those. Father and Christmas and Hallmark. That Father makes all Christmas. the sense yeah. in the world. He Also, The Tree That Saved Christmas, huh. Christmas Cookies, Haley Dean Mysteries, Deadly Estate, Christmas She Wrote, and Deliver by Christmas. Okay. Later that day, Aurora searches through Lillian's email at the library because she's trying to figure out what Lillian knew or why anyone would have attacked her because she knows this isn't a robbery. And she's trying to find out if, like, Bess or Burns had, like, given her any clues when she's interrupted by Tim, who snuck up on her. Tim warns her to be careful. But then she, Tim, Sally, and Martin all go to lunch because, you know, that's what you do. And Tim continues to press his theory that this is all a test from the killer to see if she can figure out who did it, and that she needs to be careful. So at lunch, though, Lynn shows up. Lillian has woken up from her attack, shortest coma ever. 
But she refuses to give her statement to the police until she talks to Aurora. So Aurora leaves the lunch and goes to visit Lillian. And holy smokes, Lillian is 180 degrees opposite her uptight self. She's like playing this very childish person who's super duper in love with Aurora and like loves Aurora to bits and is just like, you're my only friend in the world. You mean so much to me. What would I do without you? And she feels like Aurora is in terrible danger, but she can't remember why because her memory's not right. And that's when her sister Bess shows up and she hates Bess and she like gets really angry and she pouts and she gets into bed and she like doesn't want to look at Bess. It was, it was actually a really funny scene. And it you really, really liked it. was. I really was. I did like it. Great actress. Ellie Ann Harvey is a Canadian Vancouver-based actress. Big surprise. Uh, And she has all of the Vancouver credits that you would expect. You know, like the Eurekas, the Stargates, the Arrows, the... Actually, I don't know if she's been an Arrow, but like that's the, you know, Psych, all that stuff that's like filmed up there. She portrayed Morticia on the new Adams Family. She attended University of Manitoba, and then she went for a two-year course at the Vancouver Playhouse Theater School. And if we want to know about Bess Burns... Yes, please, Or the character, the actress who plays Bess Burns, the character, is played by Leah Carnes. And, you know, again, Vancouver actress, she has all the credits. But if you are a fan of... Well, this is what I said to Jacob earlier. Beats, Bears, Battlestar Galactica. And he looked at me... Quizzically, why are you saying this? And I, I don't. I don't. What are the? What are, how are these words even going together? <laughs> and that's actually, not a fan of the office. Yeah. So it's a, a cold open in the office, which is really a long way of telling you that she was a big character on Battlestar Galactica. For thirty-five episodes, she played Lieutenant Margaret Racetrack Edmondson. All right then. Okay. So I also want to say, we also thought that maybe there was going to be a whole bunch of like North by Northwest homage yes. type things in there. I mean, it is sort of in there. It's sort of. It is it's less of a... It, more it, it's Yeah, it's more like they just keep name checking or kind of like, yeah, they're not, they're not really basing it on it. They're not really doing it on it. But they did like, there was this whole series of scenes in there where they kept talking about spies or this is too much like a spy movie for me or this is, what are you, a spy or an investigator and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and Pete Lambert, the officer uh, detective... Keeps trying to kind of corner Martin Yannick Bisson and yeah. her her Rose boyfriend as being like the culprit for this, but uh, I mean he is actually a CIA agent, unlike Cary Grant, who is wrongfully accused as a CIA agent. But anyway, yeah, there are just these moments that you're like, oh, this is sort of a floating reference, maybe. Yeah. And one of those moments is when they go to the airport so that Rose can find out whether or not it's possible. Because she knows that Bess can fly now, yeah. and she knows... So now she just has to find out if Bess can push a body out of the plane. Yeah. So she convinces her friend Perry to give her a very heavy punching bag from the gym where he works at, and they take it to the airport, and <laughs> while Sally distracts the night manager, Roe is going to see if someone her size can push a body out of an airplane. The airport sequence was actually a lot of fun. It's like Sally, like Roe has, Roe has some physical comedy trying to get this punching bag into the airplane. And like Sally has to go wake up the, like the night manager. Who is dead asleep. Dead asleep. Like head back, jaw open. Snoring it up. It's a hoot. Yeah. It's a hoot. So please. Yes. Please tell me he's a huge star in Canada. Oh, well, no, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, He should be. Yes. Yes. Uh, Sleepy airport manager, Stanford Foley. He actually had a name. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. His name is Robert Cornes. That's the actor's name. Robert was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. He did training in ritual theater and dance. Oh, my at Lord. Esalen. Shut the front door. Yes. That is fantastic. And he also studied Hakumi, which is body-centered physiotherapy or psychotherapy. Yeah, for two years in Boulder, Colorado. And he is a proud father of two daughters and a grandfather of five. He now resides in Vancouver, where he works in film and television and voiceover. He didn't have a, like, his resume is not too big. Like, he kind of started all of this later in life, it seems like. Something to do in retirement. Okay. So that took place in the middle of the night. But when Aurora gets back home, she discovers flowers have been delivered for her and a note. So yes, something creepy is going on because the note says, I'm watching you. Not, like... A note to all of you 
gentle listeners out there, and maybe if you are trying to woo somebody else, you gotta know, I'm watching you. Not romantic words. Yeah. Yeah, not romantic words. Anyways, so someone is clearly stalking her. The next morning, Aida, Rose's mother, is over at Bess's house. She's going to try and help Bess sell the house. Aida doesn't want Aurora to be investigating and doesn't want to believe that Bess could be behind it all. But Bess is the number one suspect right now. And when Bess says that she's selling the house and moving so she can, so she's not tied down anymore, well, you can see Aida kind of switch from, I want to defend you to, I'm taking all the pictures so that I can help Aurora investigate you because that is not how you're supposed to act. Yes. And I have to say, I loved watching Aida's little turn in this scene. It was a yes. lot of fun. Like you talk about like the three beat moments. Like she yeah. did that while the other while like things were happening. Like she they did the camera didn't have to stay on her while she did gaunt gaunt gaunt. Yeah. Like yeah. she just did it and moved into it and then started asking about taking photos. And of course, Aida's played by Mary Lou Henner. Yeah. So Jess, if people don't already know about Mary Lou Henner, why don't you fill them in about how great she is? Well, yeah, you're gonna recognize her from a million things. She was in LA Story. She was in the she TV was in show. LA Story. Yes. I'd forgotten that. She's in the TV show Taxi. Legendary. Re- legendary. Legendary. I love her from Noises Off. You're right. She was in the Noises Off movie, yes, of course. She's the wife who comes back from Spain and Spine. I never had a dress as tardy as this, did I ever? <laughs> or something yes. like that. And then she's always trying to make peace or be the little gossip on things. She's and making it worse. She's fabulous. She also, side note, I should have said this before. I should have said this in reverse. She has voiced the Gotham socialite Veronica Vreeland in numerous Batman animated series from the nineties. Excellent. Excellent. A legend. We love her. Anyways, now that Aida has taken pictures from Bess's house, Aurora examines them all and discovers that the flowers she had in her house are exactly like some flowers at Bess's house, and she knows that these aren't in stock anywhere in town. So now Aurora thinks that Lambert, because Lambert brought the flowers over to Bess's house, she thinks that Lambert and Bess are having an affair, and they conspired to kill Burns. They can't go to the police with this information because he is the police. What are they going to do? How are they going to prove it's him? I don't know. But meanwhile, Martin has fixed Aurora's outside faucet. Apparently, somebody deliberately tampered with it. So now this whole theory that like someone is giving her a challenge makes even more sense. Although how he knew, the whoever like tampered with the faucet knew she'd be fixing it on a Saturday afternoon, the same Saturday that he was planning on killing this person. I don't understand yeah, it, but it's but whatever. But that is clearly what's that's clearly what's being implied here. Yeah. He lays out this bombshell just as he's laid out a beautiful dinner for them. But instead of eating, of course, they end up fighting about her still digging into the case because he doesn't want her to do it, and she thinks he's being controlling, and he leaves, and she feels terrible. But they're still like you know friendly with each other because he comes back and gives her a little kiss before he leaves. So just yes. so you know that like they're still together. After Martin goes though. Aurora hears footsteps tromping around outside her house. And of course, like someone's stalking her. Someone's like trying to like doing murders all around her. And she also discovers like she she starts searching through the house and discovers that even though Martin was right there, someone has dropped off a cat in this cat carrier in her house. What the heck? Who did? When did they do this? And she still hears these feet tromping around. So like she goes outside, she sneaks up on somebody and bonks them with a candlestick. Knocking them out. Yeah. We don't know who it is. Go to commercial break. Yeah. Has she just caught the murderer halfway through the show? <laughs> of course not. No. It was just John. John from the Real Murderers Club, Aida's boyfriend. Aida was nervous and wanted him to check in on her. But no one knows where the cat came from. And honestly, no one quite understands why he was like sneaking around outside looking into the windows checking up on her. Like, why not just, you know, ring the doorbell? Yeah. But as John holds an ice pack to his head... Jess, why don't you tell us about the actor who plays him? Well, he's done a number of things. Again, Vancouver actor, uh, Stargate, etc. But the thing that most everyone is going to remember him for, probably until he dies, is Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Fifty Shades? I, I did not watch this film, so sure. I do not know who this I character is. Either. But it was probably a deal, a big deal. It's Mr. Clayton is okay. who he plays. And yeah, that's Mr. Clayton. Top of his list. Top of it. I would make the top of my <laughs> list too. Anyways, everyone is now super duper concerned for Aurora. Tim and Martin come over. 
there, now she's because now she's also been getting like she's also been getting call, phone calls from a, some unknown number, and when she picks up, nobody answers, and they never leave a message. So someone is clearly stalking her. But Tim says that he can track down who this phone number comes from. So he's like, she's like, great. So she like she asks Tim to do that. Martin says he's going to stay over on the couch despite having an allergic reaction to the cat. So while she can't sleep because she's so amped up, like at least she's amped up when she hits somebody. Maybe like she's totally fine if there's a dead body in front of her, but at least she gets yeah. amped up when she hits somebody. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, she can't sleep. Aurora researches and finds out a motive. Burns, because she's looking through all the photos that Aida took of the house, it turns out Burns in his office had a whole murder board set up. And he was investigating all of this murder about this software developer named Anson. Anson apparently was blocking the merger of his company when he was killed, but he was killed, so the merger went through. And a lot of people made a lot of money off of this and that they wouldn't have, so Anson was clearly killed so people could profit. So there's your motive. And she shares this with Martin, because he can't sleep because of the cat, and they make up from their fight earlier in the evening. He doesn't want to control her. He just wants to keep her safe, which is something you do for the people you love. Yes. Aww. Aww. So they're in love. The next morning, Aurora goes back to work, and Lillian is back at the library, even though she doesn't remember anything about the attack or about the hospital stay. She's just as prickly as ever. And Lambert, meanwhile, is super-duper convinced that Martin did it since he's ex-CIA and Lambert is now super investigating Martin. The next day, they finally have the funeral for Burns and Arthur, as newly minted police chief, pledges to find the person who killed Burns, even though nobody is happy with how he's doing this or how the investigation is going. Tim, meanwhile, is still like planting seeds about who did this or who didn't do it. And now he plants a few seeds in Aurora's brain that Perry... The ditzy ex-con in the murder club who, like, is their kind of go-to guy. Like, he's their word on the street. You know what I mean? He's yeah, a, like, yeah. he's the criminal who still has ties to the underworld as much as possible in Lawrenceton. But Tim also gives Aurora the phone number of the person who's been calling her. He said, like, this is a burner phone. We don't know who did it, but here's the phone number. We know that. So Aurora calls the phone number, and guess what? Perry picks up the same person that Tim was just making her suspicious of. Aurora doesn't know what to do with this. She knows Perry, she thinks, but now she's paranoid and she's just like, you know what? I'm just going to give this phone number to Arthur. So she gives the phone number to Arthur. At this point, people, we have a ton of suspects in play. We're coming in on the final half hour of the show yeah. and we've got Perry, Bess, Martin, Lambert. It is a mess and it gets worse because Arthur gets stabbed. Everyone rushes in and finds Martin trying to stop the bleeding, like standing over like Arthur trying to stop the bleeding, Lambert's having none of it. He pulls out his gun, wants to arrest Martin, orders him to step away. So now everyone's held at the church while Lambert is questioning Martin and the police are searching for the stab weapon because they can't find it. Arthur, meanwhile, has been taken off to a hospital. He's going to be okay. Aurora confronts Perry. Perry confesses he never saw the phone before. It just showed up in his pocket. And when it started ringing, he answered it. Because again... Ditsy boy. Back in the office, though, Lambert is really laying the pressure on Martin because now he's got some plane ticket manifests showing that Martin was in Seattle when Anson was killed. Bert, he said, like Lambert is saying that Burns found out that Martin was the, was the person who did it, so Martin had to kill Burns. But let's face it, Martin is ex-CIA. He's not going to, no beat cop is going to break him. So he's like, I wasn't your guy. I wasn't your guy. And eventually, Lambert has to let Martin go. But he's like, I'm watching you. Anyways, Aurora waits there for Martin and they discuss the evidence. And Aurora knows that police can change flight manifests. So now she super duper suspects Lambert. And when Arthur wakes up in the hospital, he says that Lambert also followed him into the hallway before he was stabbed. So now we really think that Lambert did it. Even worse, that night Martin goes home and is knocked unconscious at his door by Lambert. Ugh. After a commercial break though, they don't go back to Lambert and Martin. They go back to Aurora, going into the library and s seeing Lillian. But Lillian has had a breakthrough. She remembers that Burns knew who killed Anson and was going to meet him the day that he was murdered. Burns asked Lillian to take Bess to Seattle for shopping to keep her safe when he met with this person. Lillian doesn't remember who he was going to meet, but she does remember that it happened. Aurora wants to take her to the police immediately, but she refuses to close the library. She's like, I can't close the library. That was so, hilarious. Hilarious. 
because she's back to her old self. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Aurora's like, fine, I'm going to check out the murder board in person at Bess's house, but I will come and collect you and we will go to the police later on when I have all the evidence that I need. And as Aurora goes off to do that, Sally is going out to lunch with Tim. And now Tim is banging the drum hard that this is all Martin's doing. Somehow Martin has been setting up people all the time, but since he's ex-CIA, he's really the one who's behind it all. And Aurora is in danger because he's dangerous. And now the police have traced the phone number that Aurora gave them, and it looks like it's registered to Martin. So now the police rush off to go arrest Martin because everybody thinks that it's Martin, but it doesn't matter because Lambert is already there. Yeah. Lambert has him zip-tied to the stair banister. He's been trying to get Martin to confess all night, and I'm here to tell you, <laughs> Martin is like the most blasé about being tied up to this banister. The whole like He's just like, I don't care. I didn't do it. It's uh, hilarious. He's got all the status. <laughs> so, But Roe now has made it to Bess's house, took a look around at Bess's murder board, and it's not there. Turns out that Detective Lambert took it all away when he tidied up helping Bess get ready to sell the house. So they're doing a great job of keeping all the balls in the air at this point. Who knows how it's going to shake out? Aurora knows. She asks Bess to look at Burns' old laptop. And on the laptop, she discovers some files he was working on. And through the magic of some Photoshop thing, they play around with the sketch of the person who killed Anson, the software mogul. And they discover that it's not Lambert or Martin or Perry. It's Tim. Tim is the one who did it. And Tim is out to lunch with Sally. And I'm sorry, by now we should just, Sally, you're just not allowed to date. Yeah. Sorry, Sally. Sorry, Sally. You are now celibate. Go become a nun. This is the yeah. second killer that you are like attracted to. I mean, on the other hand, like this is great for her friendship with Aurora because like yeah. she keeps finding more murderers for Aurora to find. So like on a deep level, like it's really touching that Sally cares so much about Aurora that she's willing to put herself right. in harm's way <laughs> so that Aurora keeps having these mysteries to solve. Yeah. I mean... Aurora really should be the apologist here yeah. for apologizing because she was the one who set them up You're in the right. first place. You're right. Well, we're concerned for Sally because she's at lunch with Tim. But guess what? It's not lunchtime anymore. Now on the show, it's nighttime. And he's no longer at lunch with Sally. Tim is, in fact, at the library confronting Lillian. Luckily, help is on the way. Lambert has shown Martin photos of the Anson crime scene. And Martin puts it together that Tim is the one behind it. Martin puts this together just as the rest of the police show up at his door. And now he knows what he has to do. In a heartbeat, chokes out Lambert and rushes off before the police can catch him. He rushes to the library because, of course, Aurora is trying to reach him and has left him a voicemail saying, It's Tim. He's at the library. So Martin goes to the library. Aurora's at the library. Because, yes, of course, Aurora knows that it's Tim. And Tim is headed to the library to get rid of the one final witness, Lillian. Aurora arrives just in time and using the fact that Tim is obsessed with her because yes, apparently it was a dare the whole time. He was like, I have to find out just how smart you are and you are smart. You're super smart and I'm in love with you and you shouldn't be with Martin. You should be with me. And she's like, yes, yes, I will be with you. We will run off together. And she's totally uses her, her wiles and his attraction to her to get him to deliver his evil monologue of evil about why he did it all. Yes, that was great. So turns out he is angry at Martin. Because Martin has been, was keeping him down in the CIA. Martin wasn't letting him advance. So he killed Anson to prove how much better than Martin he was. Yeah. And he deserved to advance in the CIA. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you, people, there are easier ways to get promotions and killing. Yeah. I don't know about easier, but they're maybe more moral or more upstanding. You think that killing somebody is easier than... There, in some world, there is a world for you where killing is an easier solution for getting a promotion than any other solution. Maybe you're just not going to get a promotion. Mm. Maybe this isn't right for you. Okay. Okay. Is that really dark? I don't know. Now I'm really going to check to make sure the knives are dull. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we cut this out. <laughs> Anyways... So this evil monologue of evil is great and it's nice, but Martin has been stalking around waiting for his moment to pounce. And just before Tim can shoot Lillian and run off with Aurora, Martin leaps out of the shadows and they start to fight. 
and it's a fun little fight, but Aurora is the one who really saves the day because she pushes a library cart into the back of Tim as they're fighting, which gives Martin the opening he needs to knock Tim out. Whew. Yeah. So there you go. All's well that ends well. Arthur gives Bess a posthumous medal for Burns' good work in figuring out who killed Anson. And Lillian, prickly Lillian, actually thanks Aurora and is nice to her for all the good things that she's done. And in turn, Ro gives Lillian her cat. So, Jess, are you more are you more accepting of the Hallmark mysteries? I am liking them. I thought this episode was really fun. It had uh, a lot of, you know, really exciting moments. The guys were not so boring and milk toast. There there was a a real variety of of dudes and nice variety of hunkiness and they had well and then and all of these characters had a lot going on it was kind of agatha christie like in that there were like tons and tons of characters there were tons and tons of characters and they really like they really did keep all the suspects in play well we never really talked about our guesses i mean obviously neither of us i guess i think i think at this point we just assume that we're gonna lose (laughs) yeah i guess so uh yeah Totally did not. There was no conspiracy around no conspiracy counterfeit around counterfeit purses. Or, but there were a lot of handbags There in were this a lot episode. of handbags in this episode. Oh my gosh. So many. Yeah. And at a certain point, you turned to me and you said, you should do an edit of handbags for <laughs> Instagram. And uh, I'm kind of thinking about it. I wonder if there was some kind of like, they didn't they didn't really have anything in there, but I'm wondering if like maybe during the show there were like commercials from handbags. <laughs> I don't know. But I will say that one of the things that is super annoying for all women and logic cops watching shows <laughs> is when a woman goes anywhere without a purse. I'm sorry. That, that is the dumbest no- effing <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> you are so not a regular woman. I do not identify with that person. Go Fuck yourself, men. Male directors. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's I, I love it. You have fully come round to embrace an, an, ally, an ally with your Hallmark sisters. Yes. Yes. Sensible shoes, nice winter clothing, and good handbags. Yeah. It's true. Oh no, there wasn't. There was an episode. Was it last season where she's uh-huh. like in these ridiculously high heels? And I was like, oh come on. There but was... she was holding a handbag. <laughs> I do remember the heels. I, I forget mean, what the heels were. You don't have to have a handbag if you're a woman, but you have to have some place to put your freaking cell phone and your wallet, which some people put all together in one piece. Even so, that's still not going in a pocket. Yeah, because there are no pockets right. in women's clothing so yes handbags hallmark finally thank you for correcting the canon (laughs) i think i think with that i think with jessica thanking hallmark that is the high water mark of this episode we should go out with a bang yes (laughs) thank you so much and uh, we'll see you next time bye everybody thanks for listening we really appreciate it and now we want to hear from you tell us your guesses your scores your insider info your favorite logic cop catches and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next follow us and join the fun on twitter at clue or on instagram and facebook at clue podcast rate us and review us on apple podcasts to help get the word out because watching tv is always, always better, better with, with friends, friends. I just cannot believe that that mustache was on television. Like, it's just too big. It's supposed to be on the big screen. Should Burt Reynolds and Kenneth Branagh have, like, a mustache off? Oh, my God. This needs to be This needs to be a mustache thunderdome. (laughs) Yes.